In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Joel Stupka. He is the Director of Business Development at The Star Conspiracy and host of the HR Snacks podcast. An HR tech industry vet, partnering with companies like Paychex, UKG, Greenhouse, and iSims to advance their marketing and positioning objectives. Joel also spends time consulting for early-stage startups and has worked with venture capital and PE firms targeting investments within HR tech. He has the pulse of the industry. Joel also has an interesting medical background as well, managing sales and working relationships with over 100 international medical schools while spending six years at Doctors in Training a medical education company out of the Fort Worth, Texas area. Joel and I had the opportunity to meet at HR Tech, and we hoped to round on some of the key insights from the conference and touch on the broader conversation around AI, skills, gender equality, and human touch in the AI-driven workplaces. Joel, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm excited to, to be on. Yeah. So I've been following the, uh, the HR Snacks podcast and really enjoy the, the, the tidbits of information, uh, some in, in longer form. Hope to unpack a few of the insights that you have been, you know, I guess out there evangelizing post-show. One, one of the things that, you know, I, I think I had a, you know, kind of a, you know, a realization of, if you will, was that, you know, the, these buzzwords, if you will, at, at the conference, AI, which certainly was a buzzword last year and, and carried forward this year, skills uh, also becoming a more prominent buzzword at this year's conference. I guess from your perspective, and, and as you uh, had the chance to, to interact with the industry a bit, can you unpack both of those a, a little bit more for us here today? And, you know, I, I guess, Specifically on the skills one, you know, I, I think I believe in where we're headed with AI and machine learning, but specifically with the skills one, do you believe that there's actual products there or, or is that just a lot of marketing hype out of HR tech this year? <laughs> I think it's both to answer you very succinctly there. But yeah, so on the, on the skills side, this is kind of continued evolution of the, uh, the skills marketplace and kind of the holy grail for what a lot of organizations are, are trying to, to get to, which is how to, how to evolve and kind of reshape the organization to a, a skills-based organization. And so, you know, at the core... Well, what does that, that even mean? Like from your perspective, well, yeah. what does that yeah, yeah. even mean? <laughs> well, I think if you ask 10 different companies, you would probably get 10 different answers there. But if we're just looking at the framework, you know, essentially it is being able to inventory and map skills across the organization. And so mm -hmm. when we're talking about skills, we're talking about, you know, the, the hard, technical, tangible skills, but we're also talking about soft skills as well. So that's mm -hmm. one piece of it. And there are 
you know, some some companies, some solutions out there in the marketplace that are trying to to do that, trying to help with this initial kind of skills mapping. And the there's a lot of different ways that you know these solutions are going about it. You have, you know, companies that are really vested in like assessments, right? So like, yeah, we'll we'll give assessments across the organization, we'll try to figure out what skills we have and we'll start mapping those, you know, to individuals. You have the credentialing solutions, you know, like your cred leads are like, yeah, we'll just start gathering up all these credentials that people will gather, you know, by passing, you know, the assessment type thing. They're going through trainings to say, okay, they've mastered this skill. We'll inventory it and they'll carry that with them. But there's really not a kind of gold standard, you know, solution with how mm-hmm. to do that yet. There is, you talked about AI. There are um, a lot of, you know, solution providers that are bringing AI into the conversation. Retrain is a good example. They have pivoted a little bit to really focus on skills mapping, you know, through their technology and, and use of AI. But mm-hmm. that is kind of the base is like, okay, what do you have in house? And then from that, it is, you know, analyzing, um, uh, gaps and um, skills deficits for certain positions, right? So you have to identify what skills you need for positions across the organization, look at what you have internally, and then decide if you want to, you know, use some internal mobility, move people around. Uh, you can do uh, you know, team building from that type of assessment and analyzing or bring in, you know, outside talent uh, through new hires. And that's where it really kind of gets interesting on the skill side too, is because you have the internal you know, functionality of, of skills mapping and internal mo- mobility, but then you have it on the hiring side and starting to mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. more holistically at hires instead of you know just parsing resumes and looking at experience. It's trying to get a better read on the skills that new hires are bringing into the organization. Again, there's not a gold standard way to do that. This is still, you know, early market uh, stage right now. And so there's a lot of different solutions taking a lot of different angles to try and map out skills for new hires. And we'll see how it shakes out. AI has a Mm -hmm. big part in that. And I think there's still, it's still very early adopter right now. There's some organizations that are, you know, starting to to lean a little bit more into a skills-based hiring approach. But mm-hmm. it's it's going to be hard to to rip that bandaid off of the traditional way things are done with experience, with background, and with you know certain types of roles that new hires are are coming in through, largely through the resume. Although you know if you're talking to you know a lot of talent leaders, you know one of the things you hear also at HR Tech each year is that the resume needs to die. We need to get rid of the resume, and I I still mm-hmm. think we're we're getting closer to that, you know, potentially, but I don't think we're we're there quite yet. But the skills, you know, area that you mentioned is going to play a factor in that if in fact, you know, it does, you know, kind of take over the the role of, you know, what the resume has provided. What was there other was there other, you know, AI skills and, and I want to come back to skills here in, in, in a minute, but were, were there other themes at this year's conference that that struck you? You know, I, I guess either from the vendor community or from the industry analysts or, you know, from customers themselves. Yeah, I think one of the one of the bigger trends that we're seeing is that there is more of a industry or verticalized approach that's happening 
across uh, solution providers, meaning that okay. you know this you know one platform that can serve, be everything to everyone. You know, like your your you know your ADPs, your you know UKGs. That you know that works because they're market leaders and they have such a, a, a broad approach. But smaller smaller competitors in that space are actually able to to compete with them by narrowing their niche, narrowing their market, and then building mm-hmm. their product and their approach around that. Um, you know, Viventium is a good example of that. They were just a, a broad payroll core HR company, and they narrowed their niche to home health, post-acute health. They went to over 90 conferences just in that industry. They don't go after or focus on any other companies outside of that. And they're beating ADP. You know, they're grabbing a lot of business from them. They're beating uh, UKG and Paycor and Paychex uh, because they have a tailored solution for that specific market. Harry's another good example. You know, they built out their platform for hospitality, for retail, mm-hmm. for food service. And once these, you know, companies, once these clients come on board, there isn't this kind of back end customization and, and really complicated implementation to like, you know, put things in place to, to fit their their needs and challenges within their you know industry. It's already pre-built. Their platform is built out for that. So mm-hmm. we're continuing to see um, that trend. It'll be interesting to see if some of the bigger players like ADP, you know, like you know, Oracle, you know, some of those companies start to really tailor their platform to true, you know, vertical iterations mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Right now it's, it's not really like yeah. that. everything is done on the back end. It's done usually through like, you know, there's a, there's a whole industry of, you know, service providers that implement, you know, these systems workday and ADP and, and customize it. So it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, shakes out in the future. Hmm. Do you and, think that's a, like from a tech perspective? Is that do you think that's like a good strategy to you know verticalize your product? You know, one one comes to mind. I don't think they're actually at the conference, but but we have a budding partnership, if you will, with them, Aplio, and they're basically you know verticalized in the post acute world, you know ATS you know system, and so healthcare that's all they do, you know, and so. I've always wondered, and and I like that, you know, being, you know, kind of in the vertical of healthcare, I like that contextualization. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on that, you know, I'm sure, you know, are are very specific to healthcare that are not relevant in trucking or in IT or these other verticals or or what have you. You know, I guess from your perspective, is is that a good strategy? Is that a strategy that um, you know, or, or do you think that's a strategy to basically grab market share and then go out and, and grab another vertical and go to work on that one? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a sound go to market strategy, but it comes with some risk and mm-hmm. the risk behind it is if you really fist on, on one or maybe just a small number of key verticals, and that's where you're putting all your focus and attention, you are um, really caging your bets that that industry is going to continue to grow and um, be sustainable. What we saw with um, with Harry, Mm -hmm. Harry's a great example. You know, they they had this approach, they have a compelling, you know, value prop when, you know, companies in hospitality or retail are saying, 
okay, should we you know go with ADP or should we go with Harry? Harry's already built out for us. We don't have to use some you know, complicated backend. And so like it gives them an advantage there where they otherwise wouldn't have. But uh, once the pandemic hit and hospitality and retail and food service got yeah. just decimated, they saw you know, 60% of their uh, client base not able to, you know, pay. They mm-hmm. didn't, you know, they didn't churn those clients. You know, they, they kept them on because it's, it's huge clients, you know, like Hilton and Marriott. But that's the risk is that when you focus just on one industry, you're kind of at the whims of the market and how that mm-hmm. industry is doing. And a lot of that's out of your control. But it does give smaller companies, startups, a, a leg up, a competitive advantage over the the bigger players, especially I mean, they don't have the same marketing budgets. So again, when you're looking at, am I going to try to you know, spend my advertising dollars, my marketing efforts, you know, blanketed across every industry in North America, or can I funnel that into one industry that has you know maybe one to three thousand you know relevant target companies? And be able to actually show up a lot bigger to those folks. And so there's a lot of advantages to it, but we we saw some of the risk play out, especially, you know, 2020 through you know, 2023. So shifting gears a little bit and kind of back to back to the conference, you know, from your perspective, if I wasn't at the conference, right? So I'm listening to this, I didn't go to the conference. Like what what were your top two or three takeaways? from the conference like me as a talent acquisition or hr leader what what are some things in the hr tech domain that i should be really focused in on here in the weeks and months to come yeah so you know you mentioned it already ai and skills were kind of dominated the conversation again what was interesting this year about you know the the the, the topics the conversations around ai is that they're much more grounded this year than last year. Last year, you know, it was still very, very early stage. And actually, you know, talent acquisition was one of the first, you know, categories to to adopt AI, you know, into the products. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, early adopters like Eightfold that they were, you know, just touting their AI as their differentiator. Right. You didn't really know exactly, you know, how it worked or what how it fed into the solution. Still some questions around that to a degree. But what you're seeing now is that AI is is a piece of technology that's being used. A lot of HR and you know talent leaders feel like they need to have it in their systems, are less concerned about the nuts and bolts behind it, but are really more focused on the solutions that you know, AI is driving towards and the the areas that they're concerned with, especially depending on the type of organization they're at, are going to be, is this compliant? You know, is this going to put us at risk for, mm-hmm. depending on how you're utilizing AI, you know, putting out false information or, you know, you know, biases in our, you know, hiring, you know, approach. Those are the things that organizations are worried about with AI as risk. But I think everyone is seeing it now is it's it's table stakes. It's yeah, every every solution eventually, I don't want to say every, but the majority of solutions in HR tech are going to have AI incorporated them to some form or fashion. And so 
the the companies that adopted AI really early, it's no longer a differentiator. So it's mm-hmm. okay, yeah, you have AI, great. And the, the HR people don't really care how it works behind the curtains. They care about, you know, is it going to, you know, solve our problems? What solution is it going to drive towards? Is it going to make us more efficient? Is it going to lower our costs? Is it going to, you know, help us reduce our tech stack in some instances? That's really what uh, the the conversation around AI this year was more grounded around, which is good. So that, that shows that it's you know, maturing and it was a pleasant surprise. I, I, pleasant surprise. I talked to um, a lot of analysts that, you know, they said that they were coming in fully prepared just to, you know, get completely tuned out on the AI conversations with the, with the vendors during briefings, but they said it was actually very grounded in solutions and how it actually mm-hmm. advances their product and, and what they're providing to the market. It's interesting. And, and I felt the same thing just as I was, you know, out engaging with, you know, certain vendors that, that we've been, you know, kind of locking in on from a, a solutions perspective. And, and, and the thing that is confusing even for myself, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and profess that, that I know much about anything other than, you know, I, I can find a way to, to listen in a, in a conversation and, and sometimes parrot those things back. It's this idea, though, that there's different types of AI, right? Number one. And then, you know, you'll have some vendors, in essence, positioning that the type of AI or machine learning that they're deploying is safer or it's more ethical or more responsible, if you will, than other variations of that, right? And and so how I've kind of come to, you know, understand, you know, the the ecosystem and like maybe like where spots are that you could deploy, you know, ethical AI, AI that's not going to get you in trouble. It's not going to get you into some situation that you can't wiggle out from as an organization, which, which no leader in the right mind wants to do. Like, I don't want to buy this piece of technology and put my organization in a bad spot. Like, I, I don't know that anybody would knowingly do that. But I think a lot of it has to do about what what points of the process do you actually deploy it and how close to decision making is this AI, you know, kind of operating and 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 running. And so I'm just kind of curious, you know, was there any, you know, you know, kind of in those briefings, in those conversations, you know, any pause from your perspective on, you know, and let's take talent acquisition as a specific, you know, kind of niche, you know, spots where it makes sense to deploy it, spots where you're like, hmm, maybe not yet, maybe not mature enough, maybe maybe get you in trouble. I'm just kind of curious on your take around that. Yeah, I that's a that's a good question. You know, right now most of the AI applications within these products are around, you know, sourcing and parsing large amounts of data and being able to quickly, you know, analyze and give results and recommendations around that. So, I mean, there, there are like, you know, steps that are being automated in the, you know, in the talent acquisition process, like, you know, being able to, you know, send like chatbot style, you know, communications to candidates and things that don't necessarily need a human touch or they're taking the human touch out of it. They're like, Hey, yeah, we're, we, you know, source these candidates. Um, these are your ideal candidates, you know, matches. Here are the 
spots within the organization that they might you know be a good fit for. Let us you know the, the AI is going to go in and, and bring them along to you know the stage where they interact with a recruiter or you know a hiring leader. But that's you know there, there's still there's still the the human element that's probably um, not going to be removed from that process, and that is in the reviewing the data that the AI has produced, right? Because we're still not to the point of you know completely turning on a system and letting it make decisions without that final you know yep. human um, oversight and kind of you know validation, I guess you could say. But it's it's also interesting to to see how these uh, solutions and providers um, are how they're mapping the candidate experience as well, uh, because early early on with with AI being implemented in talent acquisition, you heard of some really poor candidate experiences by utilizing some of these tools <laughs> in the process. <clears throat> I mean, you hear it all the time. Like you were in recruiting. Anyone who's done like a yep. a Pymetrics, you know, assessment, like what the heck? So this is gonna like <laughs> I play a game <laughs> yeah, right. and it's gonna tell a company all about my like you know you know psychoanalytics. Like that's it's it's wild. But um, I, there's going to be a, a balance between candidate experience, how to be efficient. Um, scale, analyze big sets of data, you know, through AI tools and, you know, work in the, the human element as well. And so that's still, that's still being kind of sorted out. And there's a lot of different paths uh, that, you know, talent leaders can take, you know, you can literally put together hundreds of different, you know, tech stack solutions for, you know, your talent acquisition process. And it, it really kind of depends on, you know, the, the type of hiring you need to do is this, is this bulk hiring? Is this, you know, uh, hourly workforce? Um, do you need contract labor? Is this, you know, um, executive white collar, you know, hires that you're needing to do and, you know, trying to tailor the approach that, you know, makes the most sense for those uh, specific companies and, and yep. kind of hiring use cases. Makes sense. When you, you know, I guess reflect on not only the conference, but maybe, you know, where we're headed from an HR tech, you know, industry, if you will, if that's even the right word, I don't even know if that's the right word, but, you know, like we're coming out of this era where there's been obviously a lot of VC pointed at HR tech and not that there's not VC pointed at HR tech right now. It's just that we're coming out of a cycle, obviously, where there was exponentially, you know, more resources pointed at, at, at what we do day in and day out and, and what we service inside of businesses and, and systems. Do you anticipate to see, you know, as, you know, the economy does what it does and as we move into an election year, do you, do you anticipate to see consolidation in, in the industry? Do you anticipate to see some of these startups go out of business, you know, like what, 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 what's your take on the landscape? And I guess like any advice for, you know, the, the, the healthcare community here that's listening in as they're working their way through purchasing decisions, you know, how to vet that type of, you know, how, how to vet the security, if you will, of companies that they're engaging with in the HR tech yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. So I would venture to say that a large 
percentage of the direction um, that the market, the HR tech industry has gone over the past five years has been most heavily influenced by the amount of investment dollars flooding into the market. So just a little historical Mm -hmm. uh, context. So, you know, from about, let's say 2000 to, you know, 2018, there was pretty minimal levels of investment across the HR tech industry. I think one year it got over $1 billion. It was kind of a, a blip year back in 2010, but everything else was, was under that. And then mm-hmm. we started seeing this huge ramp up in investment. And this is from primarily the venture capital side, but prime equity has got more heavily involved in recent years as well. But you started seeing, you know, in 2018, I think it jumped up to, to 2 billion. Then the next year, three and a half, and then four. And then 2021, 2022, you had record numbers of, you know, investment dollars plugging into the space. It was, gosh, um, I'll have to go back and check the math, but it's, you know, I think 15 billion, 18 billion each of those years. So just think about that in context. So you have, you know, yeah, right. Huge multiples of investment money flooding in. And that drove the direction of a lot of startups and a lot of established companies that were influenced by that. And so when you're talking about mm-hmm. skills and AI and why they're you know so you know prevalent, you know, follow the follow the money on that one. That's where all the investment dollars are flowing mm-hmm. and have flown into you know the past you know couple of years. And then you also saw you know, the, the wellness and well-being space for employees. So mental health uh, had a huge mm-hmm. boon in 2020, 2021, as organizations were like, oh my gosh, our employees uh, are burnt out. They're trying to figure out how to work remotely. You have a pandemic going on. They're working with kids in the house. How can we support our employees from, you know, a mental wellness perspective? So you saw all these companies, all these mental wellness providers Get huge amounts of funding, and the market, you know, really lift up there. And then you saw like a correction <laughs> after you know things started mm-hmm. leveling out there. And so we're seeing that again right now. So we saw huge valuations for uh, a lot of startups, companies that were getting acquired in 2022 were getting just just ridiculous multiples, 15x in some cases, which mm-hmm. is you know way way above industry standards. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a, a correction in that market. We're seeing the venture capital valuations fall off a cliff. That's going to impact all the startups, um, all the companies that are funded within the HR technology space. So what that means is that companies are being more conservative with their rundown, with their burn down, right? Companies that have large amounts of funding. You saw layoffs, right? That's you know one of the first moves yep. a lot of those companies make. You saw pullbacks in spending elsewhere, like their their marketing across the board, and um, you're seeing on you know the the smaller company side. So earlier stage startups, they're starting to look for you know exits a lot sooner. And so to your point, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's going to be consolidation in the marketplace. We're already seeing it. We're seeing uh, companies get acquired. There's good deals to be had in the marketplace right now with acquisitions. And a lot of, you know, larger organizations that do have, you know, cash reserves are, are seeing some, you know, deals on the table that they can get to either add market share, right? If it's a, 
you know, if, if they're a uh, recruitment marketing company and they're acquiring another recruitment marketing company, they just acquire automatically that market share or they're, you know, looking to yep. expand yep. their platform, right? They're like, okay, well, we don't mm-hmm. have this functionality within our platform. We feel like, you know, investment thesis, we feel like if we add this functionality, we can actually, you know, land and expand at our current clients and also grab, you know, additional revenue streams across the market. What that does, though, <laughs> what we're seeing is just further confusion for buyers in the marketplace because you have yep. a reduction in point solutions, true point solutions that, you know, take, you know, take uh, recruitment marketing, for instance, you know, that is a, mm-hmm. a, a point solution. It has a kind of singular driving you know, focus to it. But a lot of these companies are expanding their platforms. And so it, it's getting harder. It's going to be harder and harder for buyers to say, I'd like to you know, work with this company, but they have features and functionality and solutions that I already have in place that I don't really need. So yep. does it even make sense for me to, to add them in as like a best of breed solution? So there is going to be consolidation, further consolidation. A lot of smaller yeah, startups are, are probably not going to be able to make it through you know, the next year, 2024. I think this is a make mm-hmm. it or break it year for a lot of companies. And a lot of them, you know, their their only exit really is either to you know shut the doors or get acquired, you know, by a competitor mm-hmm. in the space. You'll start, I think you'll see some private equity roll-ups continue in the space as well. You know, like your Symphony Talent, you know, just you know, compile, you know, seven different, you know, startups, you know, put it in a platform and you know, continue you know, stacking onto that. I think you'll continue to see that as well. But yeah, it's it's something to consider, right? From a buyer's perspective, is you know, is this company that I'm signing on with going to be the same company, you know, twelve months down the road when we're you know, eighteen months down the road you're signing yeah. a multiple year contract. So that's definitely something to uh, to take into consideration. Do you, do you like the HR tech conference? I mean, do you think that's a good conference to, to learn about, you know, a, a lot of what you're evangelizing right now? Is that one that you circle on your calendar each year? Or are there other spots where you like to go to, to learn about what's happening in, in HR tech and, and engage with the industry? Yeah. So I think from a from a HR talent leader or practitioner perspective, HR tech traditionally. So again, I'm going to give a little bit of background on this. the 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 holding company LRP that you know owned the HR technology conference recently sold it, and so this is the first year under new new ownership for HR tech. Hmm. And the the knock that I had on HR tech previously was that. The really the the biggest benefit for people attending the show for like you know the HR leaders, CHROs, talent leaders, was that you have this big you know expo hall where you get to window shop you know hundreds of different you know vendors in a very you know, succinct manner, and you're doing it in Vegas, which actually I'm not a big fan of, but some people are. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, yeah. But it was always light on the actual thought leadership side, on the the you know getting a, a good pulse on trends, on what's going on in the market, on things that are relevant to like their job as leaders, you know, of an HR department, of a of a talent department. 
it was always very light on that. And part of the reason was they <laughs> they sold literally every single speaking slot that they could. You know, probably to get as profitable as they could, you know, knowing that they were going to sell the conference. But yeah, yeah, every every single speaking slot last year was a case study or you know an advertisement of some sort from you know companies that bought mm-hmm. that slot. So there was no true like mm-hmm. thought leadership. This year it was different. This year they brought Josh Burson back into the fold and he did a keynote and it was amazing. He did a very like in-depth mm-hmm. technical keynote on AI and what it means and how it's going to impact you know the HR departments and organizations moving forward. That was actually like good, relevant information. They, you know, they brought in Gina Davis just for a little star power. One of the one of the knocks I had on HR mm-hmm. Tech is like, look, there's a lot of conferences like ATD, which is like the the biggest learning conference. They bring in like Barack Obama. They bring in like big names to to keynote them each year, and HR Tech doesn't. And it's the same size yeah. conference. They just you know have not brought in mm-hmm. big names before, so. They did that this year as well. She had a really interesting session on gender equality. And then, yeah, Marcus Buckingham talking about humanity in the workplace. So it was a good Josh person talking about the very technical side of AI and Marcus Buckingham coming in with a different you know, viewpoint of like, yeah, AI is going to you know, you know, be integrated into everything we do at work, but we still have to keep our humanity. And this is you know, something we need to like really hold on to. And, uh, and still value going forward. So there was a lot of good thought leadership. And I thought it was a step in the right direction there. So I, it makes me feel hopeful that HR Tech is going to continue to uh, evolve that and continue to to grow and really focus on the attendee experience because that was lacking in mm-hmm. the past. I think there's there's other conferences across you know the the HR tech or, or, or talent industry that are uh, interesting and worth checking out. Some of them, they're smaller conferences though. I think Transform mm-hmm. is really interesting. I love what Recfest did this past year in Nashville. Sure. Uh, that seemed yep. like a, a great time, and a lot of people had a lot of positive feedback on that one. But what you what you get at the small conferences that HR tech doesn't have is the ability to actually workshop with other professionals, like a yep. round table, you know, yep. setups where you can actually sit down, have pointed discussions um, from day one does a great job at this. They actually have different topics at tables that people can self-select into and have uh, very, you know, pointed conversations about, you know, certain topics that are relevant uh, to them. And that makes sense with the conference. So HR tech is still, I think the premier big conference in the industry, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of really great smaller conferences that provide more curated experiences and where you get to actually have more interpersonal communication and interactions. Yeah. The thing that I always, when I go to HR tech and, and I've, I've probably been there a half dozen times or so you know, since, you know, my days at UPMC in the last couple of years here, just being, being out feels like, you're going into like a grocery store where there's no organization though. Right. And so it's like, yeah. you're trying to shop a little bit, but like the milk's over here and then there's like five different milk cases and you're like, wait, 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 wait. you know? And, and so it's like, and I get that, you know, Hey, the, you know, premier location or whatever, but man, it would be great if, if you could uh, curate a conference like that to where, you know, you could look at all the milk on the same aisle. Right. And it's like, all right, here, 
as a buyer, right? Like I'm, I know that I'm interested in conversational AI. Where's all the conversational AI at this conference? Like who are, who's doing that so that I could line them up and, and, and have some, you know, more curated experiences. Cause it can be a little bit overwhelming because there's probably, yes. and, I, and I feel this way every time I go there each year is that there's probably, there's probably a half dozen vendors that I didn't talk to that I should have talked to when yeah. I, when I leave that conference. Right. And I get, I get, you know, uh, I get in a situation, I use Vivian as a, as a good example, or, you know, some of the skills-based stuff, you know, it, towards the end of the conference, it was kind of clicking, you know, with me that there was a couple that maybe I needed to go visit or whatever. And, and I just don't know that I would have done that naturally, you know? And so <laughs> I, I really agree though, you know, some of the best learnings, and I was at RecFest this year as well, you know, and, and I think it's a good start, but being able to talk to, you know, other healthcare talent acquisition professionals that have a similar tech stack that, that mm-hmm. I do, that's where, really where some richness can occur, right? And, yeah. and so I was able to have those types of conversations at, at a conference like that. It's sometimes tough at, at HR Tech to get to that level. Yeah. Of, of nuance, unless you kind of stumble into it at some level. Yeah. You know, so. yeah, I totally agree. And I have the same, the same sentiment about the, the expo floor at HR tech. It was even, this was probably the biggest expo floor they've ever had. They yeah. had over 450. I mean, how many vendors there? I mean, I, I don't even know. Yeah. It was 50? over 400. Yeah. yeah over 450. Yeah. The booth sizes were also larger this year. And so I think 20 by 30 was a standard size where usually, you know, if you go to other mm-hmm. conferences, they have 10 by 10s and then a couple, you know, 20 yeah. by 20s or 10 by 20s. This one, yeah. the standard size was <laughs> 20 by 30. And then you had, you know, the 40 by 40s and just huge, huge boots everywhere. So to walk from one side to the other took, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, and, steps in. <laughs> yeah. And like from a, yeah, from a, attendee or, or, you know, HR leaders perspective, trying to find, like, make your way through that maze and like find um, or discover solutions that you're interested in, in a particular category or field, it's impossible. And I, (laughs) I thought it would be really interesting. Also, I, I literally, I talked to a colleague about this at the show. I was like, what if they just put all the talent acquisition providers in one area, <laughs> yeah, all right, the you know, HR systems in yeah. this area, they would never do it, but it would be super helpful from a yeah. SD perspective. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I have a, I have a good industry friend, a guy by the name of Ryan Dahl and he's all tech, uh, does all HR tech type stuff, uh, TA tech uh, assessments and actually meet his clients there and then just basically curates a a tour you know it's kind of like a guided tour if you will of the hall right where it's like hey you know we're gonna go see these six vendors because these six vendors are whatever and so kind oh, of wow. taking some of that legwork out so yeah it's pretty interesting to, to that see that so but yeah well hey I, I really appreciate you know the time here today i guess maybe a, a, a question to land on kind of as you look forward here into to 2024 at the, the the star conspiracy as you're out talking to uh, heads of ta and chros you know w- w- what's what's on the radar like what what do you, what what are folks talking about are the topics outside of you know, kind of AI and skills that are of interest. I'm just kind of curious on the broader industry view. Yeah. So I, I think what what's going to be really interesting is to see what the buying behaviors are going to shake out 
in 2024. 2023, we saw you know CFOs and and you know buying committees really really cut back on the tech stacks across the board, but it definitely impacted HR. And so what that meant was pairing back a lot of the best of breed solutions that they would tack on you know, to their tech stack as, as workarounds or as like better solutions, even though they had similar functionality within their you know, systems of record. And so what you had was you know, people who, let's just say, had Workday, for instance. Workday does everything. You know, you can do everything that you need to from an HR perspective through that system. But a lot of HR leaders and teams were able to plug in, you know, systems that either uh, integrated directly or they could plug into it um, like they needed to to get around it. That went away um, for uh, in a large um, way in 2023, and teams were just kind of forced to work with. Yeah, we know you hate the ATS and Workday, but you you got to you know work with it this year at least. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out in 2024. I think the the systems record. It, we talked to all these companies; they're all still doing fine, right? They're not struggling from a revenue perspective. In fact, a lot of them, if you look at you know the publicly traded companies in the space, a lot of them are still you know you know exceeding their you know quarterly expectations or having you know good gains there. This the companies that are struggling are the ones that are not you know systems of record, right? The ones that plug into you know those those platforms. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a shift back in buying behavior in the marketplace. If they're able to get approval to show ROI with here is like a tangible ROI that we can get by using this specific vendor, this specific solution, even though we have a similar functionality within our system right now. To me, that's going to be the biggest, biggest question and the biggest you know, area that'll, that'll be uh, played out in 2024. I think it's a great insight and I think it's a deep insight. A lot of the customers that, that we're working with right now, I would say at some level from a tech buying perspective are, I don't want really to use the word stuck, but they're slow rolling their buying decisions. Like, you know, it's just these buying cycles are just dragging, you know, kind of on and on. And I, I think probably, you know, in healthcare specifically, you know, we've got certainly, you know, revenue and profitability, you know, challenges, but we have this dichotomy though of also being in a short supply market, right? And so we've got a business that's struggling. And then one of the reasons it's struggling is because we've got premium pay or agency, you know, dollars inside of our organization. And we're trying to figure out a way to get rid of it. And hey, PS, this, some of this technology here is going to help us make that happen, right? It's a referral platform. It's candidate rediscovery. It's um, conversational AI to to you know reduce you know recruiter workloads or, or or what have you. And it all makes total sense. It's like yeah, this this makes sense. But when you step back and you look at it, and let, let's take Workday for an example, you strap Workday with three or four more three or four of those point solutions, you're all in like total cost of ownership all of a sudden is a very big number. You know, it, it's a it's a number that is um near maybe what a, a total system of record um, you know, it's 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 inching closer, right? And so I think that's when, you know, CFOs are looking at this and they're like scratching their heads saying like hey, like I get it. I get what you're trying to do here, but like, you know, that that's a big, you know, reoccurring, you know, bill for me to have to mm -hmm. commit to. And and once you integrate it, 
you're done. Like it's in, it's not coming out, right? Like it's going to be hard to, to, you know, I'm not going to rip it out of here. So I've seen a lot of slow roll on what I think are very good ROI cases. I mean, there's a lot of really good ROI. And I think it's interesting. Like when you look at uh, somebody like Workday, you know, they've got strategic partnerships with, you know, friends at Paradox with Hired Scored. And it's kind of tipping their hat, I think, at some level to say, hey, we're not going to build this. You know, like, I, you know, I don't know that we're going to actually build this level of sophistication. And so we're going to go ahead and, and have a strategic partnership or, or a vendor relationship with somebody that does, you know. But again, you know, from a, from a cost uh, versus value dynamic, you, 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 in essence, don't have to sell the head of TA who you're trying to sell is uh, the CFO. I mean, you might not even have to sell the CHRO on the idea. It's it's really yeah. the CFO. And I think that, you know, especially in healthcare this coming year, if, if you've got a solution and you can't crisply articulate, you know, to, you know, in financial language, you know, what the, what the ROI, real ROI of, of, you know, said solution is, I actually think you're going to struggle. So. 100%. And, you know, the, I, I've heard a lot of you know, CFO roundtables where you're like, you need, we need the vendors to work with the advocates, the internal advocates, whoever's pushing for this to clearly lay out that ROI case. And mm-hmm. that is very difficult to do. Like if, if it's, if it's sure. not, you know, <clears throat> Star Conspiracy, we worked with you know, dozens of companies to help build out these enablement programs, tools, calculators to, to try to, to do that, to articulate it. And CFOs are, <laughs> are experts at sniffing out bullshit. <laughs> and yeah. so like, yeah, I mean, they, they know. So like it's, you can yeah. put in the effort, but the ROI has to be there. And they're very good yeah. at, you know, looking at, you know, fluff numbers and projections and be like this this isn't real yeah. or, you know, this is, I'm skeptical <laughs> yeah. about this. So, yeah. you know, ROI has got to be there, but it also, you know, there's, there's got to be something behind it. It's got to be tangible. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting market. Well, Hey, I, I think we're probably uh, at optimal uh, podcast length uh, here for um, today. If somebody, Joel wants to learn more about the star conspiracy, engage with you, learn more about your podcast, what's the best way to connect with, with you? Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, Joel Stupka, The Star Conspiracy. We are an experience agency. We work with vendors in HR tech and work technology, thestarconspiracy.com. And you can always hit me up via email, joel at thestarconspiracy.com. I'd love to hear. And check out Joel, HR. Joel, thanks for checking in. Yeah, appreciate you checking <laughs> yeah. in today, man. Yep. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. Cool. Yep. Thanks, Matt. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.